What's going on, everybody? This is Noah Alvarez, and you are tuned into another episode of the My Mike and I podcast, episode 112. I want to thank everybody that's currently tuning in right now, and I also want to thank Generic Sports for producing the funky instrumental playing in the background. You can check out more of his work on SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram, and Bandcamp. Just be sure to check out and search Generic Sports, no tricky spelling. Also, shout out to my man Vince Correa for designing the Mike and I logo that you're currently seeing in your screen right now. He also helps out a ton with the Instagram page. If you're on that platform, be sure to go ahead and give it a follow at my period Mike and period I. One more time, that's at my period Mike and period I. Uh, you can also contact me if you want to for feedback or want to be on the show at underscore Noah Alvarez on Twitter, or you can use that Instagram page. Those are the two best platforms to reach out to me. Now, before we get into this week's guest, I do have a couple housekeeping things to get out the way. Be sure to go check out popple.co, P-O-P-L.co. If you haven't heard of it already or heard me talking about it, it's a new digital age business card. So it's an attachment that goes onto the back of your phone. You program it exactly what you want to show up. So for myself, I would want to show and promote my articles, let's say on Locker Room Sports and this podcast. So I program them in the app. Then when I meet someone, let's say at uh, during my workout or at the park, because we're not really going out too much these days, but let's say I meet someone and they're interested in checking out my articles or they're interested in checking out my podcast, I tap the back of phone with my popple attachment, regardless if they have the attachment or not, and on their screen, they're going to get exactly what I program. So let's say you have a YouTube channel. You can also promote that. You want to promote your Twitter and your PayPal. You can do that. You can promote your personal website. Whatever you want it to promote, you can do it. You can program it through Popple. And if you use promo code LOCKER, you can get 20% off on every single purchase. So really good for those freelancers, those people who have uh, you know, your own business, but you're relatively small. It's a great opportunity to get promoting, promote your way through that instead of you know the traditional business card. Be sure to check it out, popple.co, use promo code LOCKER. And while you're at it, be sure to check out LockerRoomSportsCA.com for blogs by myself, also Max, Carl, some of the guys I also have a podcast with, as well as some homies from Sac State too. We've put together a team of 10 writers right now. And even though there's not a whole lot of sports going on, well, we're trying to make the best and most of it and putting out blogs on a weekly basis. So be sure to go check that out, LockerRoomSportsCA.com. Now, also be sure to check out PhoenixFit, FNXFIT.com. What it is, it's a sports supplement brand. They have your pre-workouts, your post-workouts, your BCAAs, and a whole ton more. I currently use a Cricut Protein as well as the CBD gummies, which help me get some of the best sleep and the most wholesome sleep that I've ever gotten. Also, they have some really dope gear too. I just got a, a nice, I have two shirts by them now. Yeah, I have two shirts by them now. So be sure to go check it out, phoenixfitfnxfit.com and use promo code my mic and I with the letter N, so my mic, the letter N, I, for 15% off on every single purchase. That's phoenixfitfnxfit.com. Use promo code my mic and I. All right, now let's get into this week's guest, episode 112. I bring on the one and only Doughboy Tony out of Orange County. He grew up in the Santa Ana Garden Grove area, and we have a good conversation about old school hip hop, uh, everything that's going on right now from the movement of uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, the brown pride in the community, um, and a whole, whole lot of stuff too, man. He's local to Orange County. I've seen him at a few rallies and protests around the area. It's a really wholesome conversation. So without further ado, hope you enjoy the conversation between Doughboy Tony and myself. 
But once again, man, thanks for hopping on the show. Really appreciate you for being here. No, you already know, but appreciate you for having me, man. So I kind of wanted to start with more of the current events of topics because I ran into you on Juneteenth. And obviously a lot of powerful speakers. What did you get out of the Juneteenth rally that we were at in um, Santa Ana? Um, Honestly, what I got out of it, it was like, it's, it was really powerful pretty much to see that uh, whole community can come together. Um, it's not impossible, mm-hmm. uh, especially like being in a city where it's like uh, Hispanic dominant or Latino dominant, whatever they mm-hmm. want to identify as, you know. But um, you wouldn't expect a turnout like that. And it's, it makes me feel good to see, especially um, a city that doesn't have a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, African-Americans and it was a good turnout to show uh, solidarity and stand there with our brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, I guess what I got out of it was um, it's always good to not be selfish. Um, as you know, it was out there. It was a pretty hot day. Yeah, we didn't have to be out there. Right. And for us to be there and uh, show our support, that's just what I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I know you have known the Black OC for a long time, Farron Kid, the one who the guy yeah. who runs it. Shout out um, Farron, bro. How did you meet him, and what have you learned from? Cause I've only known him for the past couple of weeks. Yeah. But what have you like? What have you learned from him? Just watching him work. Um. Well, I met Farron when I did my uh my first show mm-hmm. over at Proof Bar in uh, Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. Um. He was at the I I believe at the time he was just, like just shooting a different artist, uh-huh. but he had a whole message behind his uh thing. Like he wouldn't shoot for you if you weren't pushing positivity and right. shit like that. But and I at the time I wasn't really making music. You know that was relate like relating to that, mm-hmm. but um I guess he just seen the vi- like he seen that I was like you know I, I had something going for myself, um and he reached out and uh, he shot actually a visual like a recap of the of the sh- of the show, mm-hmm. and um from there we just started like connecting with each other and he was straight up with me he's like you know what like I'm down to keep working with you guys but um he 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 started explaining to me the whole black OC thing yeah the whole message everything and I was like okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I can, I can fuck with that. Mm-hmm. Cause, um, that's kind of like where I wanted to be too. You know, a lot of people like to call it conscious rap. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could call it that. Yeah. But, um, uh, that's the lane I was trying to be in. And when he, when he reached out and he, um, he basically like showed me that he was, he had my back and he was going to give me full support. Yeah. I just, I just like tagged along. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. This is my lane. Um, and that's how I met him. And I really learned a lot about him through just to going through his events. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been to a couple of his events and just hearing him speak, even privately, he's gone to my studio sessions and he goes in there and like with my homies and he's spoken to us Dang, and it's okay. like, yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, you learn a lot from him. Mm-hmm. You really do. Every time I every time I leave his presence, I learn something new mm-hmm. every single time, bro. And I feel like it's a privilege to literally be able to hear him speak. Not a lot of people get that privilege. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody at least should, especially if you're from the community, because it's important to hear what he's got to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, what I've picked up from him pretty much is just fucking stay true to yourself and then, you know, try and enlighten other people. Don't try and keep this ongoing cycle that we got in our communities of just mm-hmm. fucking everybody trying to, you know, either getting locked up or involved in some street shit. Yeah. You know, that's just got to stop. And, yeah, that's what I get from him, man. Mm-hmm. He's really a powerful public speaker, too. I mean, he has, like, a lot of, any, I think in the history books, we learn a lot about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And I feel like yeah. he has a big, good combo of the two. He's, he's kind of militant sometimes. He could be aggressive oh, yeah. when he speaks, but he's 
it's almost like he's poetic you know what i'm saying yeah. he's very like poetic exactly. when he speaks too and his message because a lot of people can say what he's saying but it sometimes it won't necessarily hit the same when he says it compared yeah. to somebody else exactly. so it's really i mean i've only heard him speak twice but man just like hearing him speak those two times really kind of impacted me as an individual and i know yeah. i'm sure it impacted a lot of other people that were at juneteenth whether it was their first time hearing him or their 10th hundred times speaking you know hearing him. it's so it's wonderful like that i've been kind of put into that that light you know have you been uh, pretty active or just seeing what's going on with Orange County and the rallies and protests and everything that's going on? I've been trying to stay active, bro. Um, I haven't I haven't gotten too caught up in it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I've attended some rallies and some protests in Orange County. Uh, I believe there's one this Saturday in Santa Ana for mm-hmm. the... Um, what is that? 18-year-old kid that just got uh, yeah. killed, Andres, in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah, that's tough, man. And uh, I believe there's going to be a protest for that, so I'm probably going to be out there okay. for that. And yeah, I've been trying to stay, you know, active as active as possible. Cause if I'm really trying to push this message and I'm not out there, mm-hmm. it's just it don't look good, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you mentioned conscious rap, right? Yeah. What did you have any conscious rappers that you looked up to when you were, you know, in high school or whether you're younger too? A couple, but I guess the one that really grasped me, um, probably Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Just cause we we share. I feel like we don't share an identical story. We share a similar story. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, he had his mom and dad there, dad, hard worker. Um, he grew up in an area where, like, gangs yeah. and drugs, the influence is heavy. But I feel like he feels like his parents did enough job to just kind of keep him out of it. Mm-hmm. And he, it's not even just on them, you know, him too. He he did his own thing, and he he he, he realized what, what was going on, but he knew what, what not to do and what to do. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's kind of how I grew up. So listening to his music is like it really I, I really like it touched me yeah so in terms of conscious rappers I don't know if he even consider himself a conscious rapper but I do cause mm-hmm. you know he's got a lot of consciousness in his music yeah so yeah I, I guess he's the biggest one for me mm-hmm. especially his early stuff too I don't know if you ever listened to Section oh, yeah. 80 like that but Section 80 to To Pimp a Butterfly I thought were like really like conscious albums Good Kid Mad City obviously was a really good storytelling album I think he always pre- preached that positive message in his music. Yeah, he's always preaching positivity, man. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up right down the street here in Santa Ana? I grew up... Okay, so I was born in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up in Santa Ana until I was about six years old. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Garden Grove, um, 10, 15 minutes away from where I grew up. Okay. But everything I ever did was in the city of Santa Ana. Yeah. Like, family, all my family was in Santa Ana. So parties, everything. We were just going to Santa Ana. Um... Every, I feel like the city just molded me to be mm-hmm. who I am today, especially since my roots are deep in Santa Ana. You know, my mom, my dad, grandparents, everybody lived in Santa aunts, uncles, like everybody just comes from there. Just so happened to be that we got, I moved out to Garden Grove, but that goes back to play with, with my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad like really had it fucked up growing up. And I guess he just, he didn't want me to go through the same shit. He just yeah. moved me away from where he, even though it's not that far, but it made a difference. You yeah. know, it made it, um, less accessible for me to go hang out with these type of dudes and shit like that mm-hmm. even though at home it was still like they were still there yeah. pretty much but yeah it was just that's what it was for me mm-hmm. yeah and Garden Grove is like pretty similar it's I want to say it's as active as Santa Ana but it's pretty similar compared to Anaheim too I feel like those three cities you could even yeah. throw in Stanton probably in there they're all relatively similar right as far as like the ethnicity there um, yeah but also there's a lot of gangs cr- crime there too a lot of potential there, right? Like, a lot of good people trying to do good, but that sometimes get... Correct, yeah. Um, what is it, like, stereotype? I feel like that's everywhere, though, too, mm-hmm. you know? Because uh, Santa Ana's got its good areas. Yeah. You know, and it's just... That's just how it is in every city. 
but yeah, bro, you're right. You know, like uh, everywhere you go is there's gonna be bad. Yeah. It's literally impossible to yeah. to, to not to be bad there. Mm-hmm. But um, the yeah. Yeah, I, I can relate though because my parents did the same thing. They grew up in Delhi, part of Santa Ana. Okay. Um, right off of Warner, and so like I moved when I was uh like eleven, so right in, going into like middle school that age and i remember I, at the time i hated it but i understand like now as an adult 25 years you old now like it. you yeah. know living here in orange was and going to high school here in orange i think was the biggest <laughs> thing you know what i'm saying I, if i went to high school even if i did go to segerstrom which was like a little bit better than some of the other public schools there yeah you know i think i still got a better i surrounded myself around different people oh yeah I most think definitely that's what my parents wanted you know yeah that's how it was for me bro you know um fucking exactly i felt the same way i always felt like I wanted to go to high school in Santa Ana. I wanted to grow up in Santa Ana because a lot of people who were my friends, you know, that's like, I could relate to people from Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. And I went to high school in Orange, too. I went to Elmo. Okay. And Elmo was like, it's like a mix. Yeah. Because it's in the middle. It's like, you know, you can go a couple of streets down and it's a nice neighborhood. And then you go like this way, like down Hughes and it's yeah. like really ghetto. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing about Elmo. I, I kind of liked Elmo because I got a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, I got a... I got to still feel like okay, like I'm with my with my rasa and like they grew up in similar areas, you know. Mm-hmm. They their family's probably going through the same shit mine is, and I could relate to that. But then I can also see like, you know, like the the people who didn't go through those struggles, and I can yeah. relate to them and learn from them because they can teach me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I loved about it, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my my mom was pretty active as far as going to like those PTA meetings. Okay, so there was a lot of kids in Santa Ana on the border near Orange. I would either try and push for Orange or El Medina. So there is a lot of kids from Santa Ana that do go to El Medina. Yeah. I went to Villa Park. So you, we kind of pulled from like okay. a similar group of kids, especially around like Rahava Park and like that area. Yeah. But um, man, did you play any sports at El Medina or anything? No, I didn't, bro. No? No, I didn't play no sports at El Did you get into music at high school or before high school or after? I've always been into music, but in terms of making music, it was like, it was happening like the end of high school. But then I didn't. I didn't like pursue it, mm-hmm. and then 2018, which was a year later in the summer, then I really it really kicked off for me. Okay. Yeah. How did you get into music? Like, what what drew you into recording your first song? Um, my homie Eddie, shout out my homie Eddie. He uh, he does music, and I seen him post a music video, and my uncle, I was actually with my uncle at the time working, and he shows me the video, and I'm like, like in my head, I kept thinking, like I feel like I know who this is. Yeah. And then um. I asked him, like, who posted that? And he told me, and then he, he gave me my, my uh, homie's dad's name. And I was like, bro, that's Eddie. Mm-hmm. And we were just tripping, because he knows him, too, you know, since we were kids, we grew up. Okay. We grew up together. And um, so, and then I hit him up, and I was like, hey, bro, that's what's up, you know, you're doing your thing, you know, if you can teach me a little something, that'll be cool. And yeah, sure enough, he opened his arms, he, he invited me to his crib, where he was recording that little-ass room, fucking hot-ass <laughs> fuck, just the mic stand and the... The focus right in the laptop, bro. That's all yeah. we needed. Yeah. yeah. And um, he knew a little bit of like mixing, not a lot. He wasn't too good at it. But um, he, he was getting the job done some way, you know? Okay. Now, you know, he's going to fucking uh, Dominguez Hills. Okay. And he's going for for like music engineering and shit. All so right. now he's doing his thing. He really knows what's up. There you go. Yeah, shout out to him. But yeah, that's how I got involved. And um, I went in there and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to see what he does, you know? Mm-hmm. But nah bro it just took over me and I was like I started writing to different beats mm-hmm. I got on the mic he was just recording me we were just like fucking around and next thing you know it became almost a daily thing bro like I was working that summer so 
I wasn't paying him nothing. Like he wasn't charging me nothing, but we were. I was buying beats. Uh-huh. So I was buying beats, and then I'll go in there, and and then it got to a point where we were like, okay, like he really. I, I guess we saw the potential, mm-hmm. and he said himself, we're like, we got to get this music and go to like real engineers, mm-hmm. go to real studios. And um, I remember the first track we took to a to a studio in downtown Santana. Is a I don't know if you've ever been to. It's a building that has like. It has a bunch of studios. Mm-hmm. It's not the... Because I know there's one where Lib Drum works out of, but there's one okay. like on 4th Street, 4th okay. and French. There's a building there and you can go like... There's underground studios and shit. Okay. And um, we go there and I'm just tripping, bro. Like, I wouldn't have never imagined, you know, like I would be working with an engineer who knows yeah. what he's doing. And, you know, they got an actual booth going on. It was just crazy, <laughs> yeah. And um, I took it there to get mixed. And then uh, we started doing that. So every track... And I was putting out like a track a week, bro. Dang, okay. That's how, that's how much I was doing. And, but the thing is, like, it was for me at that time, it was quantity over quality. You yeah, know? yeah. I was just trying to put music out. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to say how I feel and put music out. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I was doing. And that's probably really what kicked it off for me. Dang. Okay. Yeah. So 2018, you're relatively, like, new to this, huh? Yeah, bro. It was only my second year. Damn. All right. Yeah. What was that first song you ever recorded? What was it like? The first song I ever recorded was a. Uh, um, Oh, it was a remix to the Shook Ones. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, Mob the, Deep. the Mob Deep. Okay. I was actually going home from somewhere, and I threw on the beat, and I wrote a 16, like, while I was driving. <laughs> nice, all right. <laughs> and I hit up my homie, and I was like, bro, I need to, are you busy? He's like, nah, bro. Like, well, he's like, we're having a party, but come through. Like, I'm not even out there. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. So I slide over there, and we throw on the beat, and I finished the rest of it. It was like a minute and a half of just bars like I didn't have no hook I didn't have I didn't know how yeah. to structure a song bro right so I just got on the mic and started barring out and that was my first track okay. I put that on SoundCloud yeah uh-huh. that's crazy cause when I listen to your music there's a lot of West Coast style beats and like yeah. you know, instrumentals but then I also like notice like your cadence <clears throat> you switch it up to more like an East Coast style too so that's kinda interesting that you had Mob Deep Shook ones as like yeah. one of your first like you know yeah I got ones. a lot of influence from both sides mm-hmm. for sure did you have like a West Coast? Did you have like a favorite old school artist from the West or East Coast? Um, not not I can't really say like one specific one. Uh, for the East Coast, for sure, Biggie. That's my favorite East Coast. Yeah, artist. For okay. the West Coast, I mean, I would go Pac, but I'm I like Corrupt a lot too. Corrupt to me is very underrated because mm-hmm. he's I've, he comes from the East Coast. I think he's from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So he's got that flow. You know, he's got the bars, and yeah. he comes when he comes on the West Coast beat. And he can flow with it, and it's fucking, it just sounds crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that for sure is one of my favorite West Coast artists right there, Corrupt. Mm-hmm. So a year later, you put out your album, your first album in 2019, A Bigger Picture, right? Yeah. How did you, how long did that take to construct it, put it together, and then, and then obviously put it out? It took probably like two months, bro, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, it's an eight-track album, so it's not that long. But uh, yeah, I hit up uh, Darren Vegas. Shout out, Darren. Um... I, I started working with him through my homie Lottie. He hit me he hit me up to do a feature. I went to Darren's studio, met Darren, and that's how we linked. And um Darren was a is a quick producer, bro. Like you go in there, you tell him what you want, he'll come up with a beat like on site. Mm-hmm. So to work with someone like that was completely different for me because I was used to hitting up producers online. Yeah. And you know what, I like this beat, you know, however much it is, or if if it's free, send it, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I would go about my week or whatever, write it, then hit up the homie studio and go record. Mm-hmm. And now it was like I can do all that in one day if Dang. I really wanted to, you know? Yeah. I was, I think it was only one track 
It was one track that I could never track. I went in there. When I went in to record that song, I already had the lyrics done, but there was no beat. Mm. I just went straight off a melody in my head, bro. Yeah. And I, I told him, I was like, I got this melody. And then he's like, all right. So like, I was, we were in the studio. I was flowing, bro. Mm-hmm. And he was like constructing the beat around me. That was the most like craziest shit I ever experienced. Yeah. For sure. <clears throat> At the time for music. Mm-hmm. Um, so since we were working so quick, it only took about like, I want to say like a month and a half, bro. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was done and I waited to, it was done like mid-June, but I waited for it to come out a July 14th because mm-hmm. it's 7-14, 7-1-4. Oh, okay. So I really yeah. wanted that that date. And um, yeah, and then I was I was trying to push it, but I that's one like aspect I felt in back then. Mm-hmm. Not completely, but I could have done more to marketing, you know? Yeah. More videos, more visuals for the album. There was songs in the album that people really liked that I didn't put visuals out for. You know, I only focused mm-hmm. on like two main ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's how the bigger picture came about. Yeah. Okay, and then one of my favorite songs, <clears throat> my favorite visuals too, is Cultura. Okay. I think a lot of people like that song. A lot of people can resonate. It just it like screams Santa Ana or like Anaheim or like that yeah. central part of Orange County. How did that song come about and like the idea for that one? Um, I feel like there wasn't enough people who who were really speaking on that mm-hmm. in terms of like I don't like calling it Chicano rap. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of people who who take pride in that name. I don't mind it, but I don't like it. I'm just an artist, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we shouldn't be boxed into anything. One category. You know, we're yeah. just we're artists too, you know. We rap and that's it. Mm-hmm. And um, but there wasn't a lot of um, Hispanic people who were like really speaking on that, you know. At least to that degree, they weren't making like a whole song about it that talks about culture and like what's going on now. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that's something that was missing, and like within our people, mm-hmm. you know, our culture, our raza. So I just felt like I had to do it, and um. Yeah, sure enough, you know, Darren, he provided, like, even the beat sounds very, like, yeah, yeah Spanish, so mm-hmm. that's how that came, and um, when I seen how it took off, I actually shot a, a one-minute visual with Black OC, Okay, and that's actually the first song I presented to Black OC, like, saying, like, look, bro, like, this is my transformation, because, mm-hmm. um, you know how I said he had told me like this is what I'm pushing for positivity blah 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 yeah so I sent him that and he's like cool let's shoot he was excited we shot like a like a minute clip of uh, the first verse mm-hmm. and I threw it on Instagram and when I seen how it taken how it had taken off on Instagram I was like I had to get a visual for this for sure mm-hmm. that's how the visual came about too nice yeah how'd you get that because I know there's like a scene where you're pushing the elotero obviously yeah. there's a scene too where you're like you're <clears> hopping <throat> out the truck with the the tools like the, the tools. gardening tools and everything how did you just come up with some of the ideas for the visuals and where you wanted to shoot at? Um, the ideas were easy. I just went based off the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, the third verse, I really I talk about like how hardworking our people can be. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to incorporate that. Um, shooting was actually hard because yeah. we had to find you know we had to find certain people or a lot of shit wouldn't fall into place. Um, finding the paletera lady, like it was literally the same day. We were like, okay, we need to get this done. So we're like, let's just. Get ready, get everything we need, and we're gonna go to a neighborhood, and we're just gonna find someone. And sure yeah. enough, in Santana, we found some lady, um, right by an elementary school, bro. Mm-hmm. And we just asked her, "Is it cool if we borrow for like thirty minutes?" And she was perfectly fine with it. You know, we nice. paid her for the time that she missed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but gladly everything you know fell into place. It was cool, bro. Mm-hmm. And then um, the one we struggled with a lot too was the first verse because I talk about a lot of history. Mm-hmm. 
you can't really you, it's it's hard to shoot for history, you know. There's no right. there's no like the places you can just go to and like mm-hmm. capture it completely. So I just decided to like insert some clips mm-hmm. that showed what was going on. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something I'm missing though. You like you <clears> touched <throat> on a good point. Like whether it's here in Santa Ana or somewhere in Los Angeles or Southern California in general, because a lot of this land was Mexico's, right? Like, yeah. Way back when, and <clears throat> you know, we always learn about Aztecs and Mayans, like in the history books. We really only see like up front, and we don't have the opportunity to go to a museum. I'm sure that we can go to like Mexico and stuff like that, but that's yeah. kind of out of the way. But there's a lot of people of that descent here <clears throat> that always don't get opportunity to touch roots with their culture, and I feel like that's you. You were making that song kind of like connects the two to maybe yeah. like a kid out there hearing it and maybe is interested and will look it up online, but. For sure, like that physical museum presence or something like that. We don't have that in, in Santa Ana when it's so rooted in like exactly. Mex- Mexican culture, you know? Yeah, yeah, that I agree. Um, I feel like there needs to be something, you know, like a museum or something just talks about like the aesthetics, everything, mm-hmm. everything that that's considered our culture, indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's just Orange County, though. Like you said, it's Southern California. I see like it, it lacks it a lot. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um Probably you'll see it heavier, if anything, like in, in Los Angeles. There's a little bit more. They have the parades with, like, people dressed in the Aztec gear mm-hmm. and all that. We don't have that here. But, um, yeah, I feel like it needs to be embedded more because mm-hmm. it really is, like, dominated by, you know, Hispanic brown people mm-hmm. here in all of Southern California. So there needs to be more of it for sure, especially in Orange County. And that would be cool to, you know take a step to make that happen that would be cool mm-hmm. yeah I know you took a Chicano <clears throat> studies class was there any like really cool information or facts that you didn't know about the Chicano <clears throat> culture before you took that class that you learned afterwards yeah actually um, there's a lot that I learned in that class that I didn't know um, like uh, the way a lot of Chicano students used to be treated in schools back then mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot of that you know and then um, I learned about uh the the brown barrettes oh, i didn't know yeah. that you know we had like our own party like the black panthers yeah chicanos had that too i didn't know that until i learned in that class um they spoke on a couple other things um they didn't speak they didn't go too heavy on the our cultura because mm-hmm. i guess it's i don't know it's different from chicano like yeah. that's like indigenous culture even though it's part of us chicano the chicano movement's more like you know focused on mexican americans here yeah so the class was more talking, like, um, raising awareness on issues that mm-hmm. we need to, you know, speak about. So it didn't go deep into history. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's a few few things I learned was the brown barrettes, um, the mistreatment of a lot of Chicano kids, and then the, the Chicano walkout, mm-hmm. I believe, 1968 in East L.A. Okay. Yeah, they basically, like, they were like, okay, we're fed up with this. Uh-huh. And, like, students in East L.A. walked out their classrooms. Dang, okay. And that sparked a huge change for the Chicano movement. That's crazy, yeah. man. And see, but yeah. see, I don't like how they don't teach that in like regular history books. Exactly. Because in public school, because not everyone gets to go to higher education, whether it's yeah. grade, college, or four year. But then they don't learn that, you know what I'm saying? And they yep. can be from Mexican background, but they don't know anything about their history. Yeah, and then um, there's also something they don't like. They leave out a lot of things. Like I believe there was nine thousand. I want to say nine thousand Chicanos who fought in civil in the Civil War. Oh, and they don't even mention in the Civil War. Damn, I don't know that. Yeah, and they don't even mention that, you know. So, there's things like that that you know we Mm -hmm. they miss you miss out on when you go through the public education system here. 
Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people too, especially like the conservative white Americans. They'll be like, "Oh, you know, our our grandfathers fought in World War Two, but they don't really." I feel like a lot of them, I'm not singing singling out anybody, but I I don't think a lot of them know that blacks also fought in that World War. Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, Hispanic Latino people. There's also too like a large influx of um, what do you call like immigrants, like people who because you can earn your uh, what is it like your. Uh, is it citizenship? citizenship? Yeah, yeah. you serve through the military. I know my uncle did that. So I mean, you could serve through the military. And I know like when we started getting into it with Japan, there was a lot of Japanese who were on our side that wanted to join the military and they could translate and that kind of stuff. So, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think people realize that, though, because we just, their pictures are usually white people, especially that one iconic yeah. picture of them holding up the yeah. flag. It's kind of like, all right. You know. It's it's a lot of that. And it's also a lot of um, our... I guess you could say ancestors, you know, previous family members mm-hmm. who who did it, who weren't like um, informed about the fact like there was a lot of Chicanos fighting in these places, so they can't they didn't really like pass it down. So when it come what what by the time it gets to us, we don't really take pride in that because mm-hmm. we didn't know that. You know, I mm-hmm. could have had a great grandpa who fought in World War Two or in the I could have had a great great grandpa who fought in the Civil War or something. You know, and yeah. I wouldn't know that. Cause nobody, nobody told me that, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot. What happens in our generation and previous generations, mm-hmm. and that's probably something that's different in the, you know, like the white people. They probably take pride in that and they pass it down, mm-hmm. um, or even if, like you said, it's not even just about taking pride. They don't teach it, mm-hmm. you know. They don't talk about all the black and brown people that that were involved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but yeah. There's a lot of things missing, you know, yeah. that they don't they don't teach us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely helps, too, with, like, more, like, black directors. Because I know, like, Spike Lee, he does a pretty good job of obviously highlighting different black stories that we probably didn't learn in our regular public school history books. But, you know, the more Latino or Hispanic directors and and movie writers and stuff like that, or just even documentary TV show or book writers, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of them out there, too, that will put the stories out there for, you know, people to have more access to. Oh, yeah, most definitely. What's one thing about just Chicano culture and just, you know, Mexican heritage that you really appreciate, whether it's, you know, food, a ritual, family tradition, or whatever it may be? Food, for sure. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Mexican food. Um, I think one thing I really appreciate is, like, the... That's really passed down from our ancestors is just, like, the... We just got, like, warrior blood, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we don't... A lot of uh, Hispanic people, I guess it's different for different, I can't say all the brown people, but most, you know, we're really warriors. We don't, we don't um, complain about a lot of things. You know, we come to this country and if we had to get the shittiest job, but that's going to provide for the family, fuck it, then so be it. You know, yeah. we, we'll do the hardest working job. I think that's something I take pride in a lot. You know, mm-hmm. my people, they don't get discouraged. There you go. My mm-hmm. people don't get discouraged by anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we fight for for. What, we think is right and we we just work hard mm-hmm. and that's what it is yeah and it doesn't matter yeah. what the job is man like they can yeah. just put their head down and like you said do the dirtiest or grimiest of jobs and yeah man you know still be happy that they have jobs like at the end of the day you know what exactly that's just crazy so i saw you had the boys in the hood sweatshirt on oh yeah did you get the <laughs> doughboy tony name from doughboy the character in boys in the hood yeah i did actually okay um you've seen the movie yeah I'm assuming, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, who hasn't <laughs> <laughs> right but yeah um 
um, the Doughboy version, the kid version of Ice Cube in the movie. Yeah. My, when I was a kid, like my dad and his homies, they all used to say like, "Oh, you look like Doughboy," because mm. he was, you know, he was darker. He always had a hat on too, and he mm. was always like wearing black or something. And that was me, as a kid. I was just always like that. Mm-hmm. So they started calling me Doughboy, and then um, it just stuck from there. Honestly, okay. it didn't become a heavy nickname to like where people at school were calling me Doughboy. It was like at home. Yeah. At home, it was like Doughboy, Doughboy. Okay. So and then I just I just stuck to that. Uh-huh. And then Tony, I'm assuming that's Tony. Part. Yeah, my name's Anthony. Okay, but my whole life everybody's called me Tony. Okay, so, so just smooth transition. Stoneboy Tony, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, I saw that you also got to perform on the same stage as Ice Cube on the OC Block Party too. How was that? Since you yeah. know you were a big fan of the movie and everything. That was crazy, bro. Um, I wish there could have been more interaction with him. Mm-hmm. You know, at least a picture or something. But they really like. The security was heavy, bro. <laughs> but um, the other artists, everybody was like, well, it was just really him. And him and E-40 were probably like the only two you couldn't access. Yeah. They were like heavily guarded. But all the other artists that were on the card, everybody was backstage. You know, I got to interact with at least 90% of them. Dang. And um, it was, it's a crazy experience, bro. Mm-hmm. It really was. It's probably the biggest crowd I've rocked so far. Um, shout out to George from Curious Entertainment for putting me on, bro. Especially like in the city I was born in, you know, in yeah. the city that I take pride in, cause you know, like like I said earlier, really molded me to be who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it was crazy, you know, just being in my hometown, front of the fucking courthouse, the jail, yeah, the Santa Ana Stadium, and it's like right on the street, bro. And it was just something I would have never have pictured. But yeah, it's it was definitely something different. A bit no hype, like. You know, bless the same stage with Ice Cube and all yeah. these other legends, bro. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. How did your performance yeah. go? Because I feel like a lot of your music is part of Santa Ana, part of like that Orange County culture right here among us. Like, yeah. how did the crowd respond to it when you were up there? The crowd response was cool, bro. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Like, everybody loved it. Uh, I actually didn't get to finish my set. Oh, okay. I got cut off short. Damn. But I did get put on late. So I thought, you know, they're going to give me my full time still. But nah, they cut me off short. Um, So I didn't. The one track I really wanted to perform, I didn't, which was Cultura. Okay. And I was saving that for the end of the set. Mm -hmm. You know, just, you know, I performed all my other shit, and then I was like, okay, this one's like... 90% of the people in that crowd were Hispanic or Latino, you know? So I was like, this is really going to hit. But nah, man, they cut me off, and I was like, (laughs) shit. But yeah, other than that, it was cool, you know? um, I, I got to meet a lot of people who were already fans of my music, and the gain of fans was was good too you know like i got a lot of new people that started following me and my music after that Mm -hmm. so it was overall was great Mm -hmm. that's tight and and correct me if i'm wrong but i didn't see a lot of other orange county artists on the flyer or anything yeah were you the only one that was repping orange county i want to say i was there was two stages yeah um the main stage that i was on i want to say i was the only one okay there was another stage who um i don't know how many off the top of my head I can remember but I know Uncle John was there mm-hmm. shout out Uncle John um, I don't know if you've heard of Kevin Saldana they're actually they have a music mm-hmm. they're, a, they're a Spanish group okay. they're from Santa Ana they were there and um, oh, I want to say the, there's these two girls they're twins well, I don't know if they're twins but they call they call themselves like the twins or something mm, the, they're from Orange the County Tone Twins? might be them I think so I've seen yeah. their music being posted on like some of the IG pages okay I think I've seen I think I've seen their name on that flyer okay. so I believe those three other artists were on the other stage okay yeah but in terms of like the the main one yeah there wasn't 
I don't think there was any other Orange County artists on there. Dang. Yeah. So speaking of concerts and everything, did you have stuff lined up during 2020 and then that were obviously cut down because of COVID? Yeah. Um, I had a... What did I have? I had a... Well, I, I got to do the Observatory. The Observatory mm. was my last show right before this shit started, like, really getting out of hand, which I was grateful for because the Observatory was crazy, bro. In the main room? Yeah. Oh, shit, okay. It's like, yeah, it was crazy because it's so small, yet people would, like, go in there and it just looks so packed. You yeah, know? you can get a lot of people in there. Yeah. So, um, that was my last one. I opened up for um, the Dog Pound and DJ Quick. Oh, nice. And then, um, at actually, at that show... I met a promoter who who saw my my performance and he came up to me and he he wanted me to uh, open up for uh, Too Short and uh, I want to say Too Short and Quick in Riverside. Dang. Okay. So I I told him I would be down for that and then all that shit happened. It got pushed back to May. Continued to happen. Now it's pushed back to August first. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'm gonna do that show because August first is my birthday. Oh, okay. So I don't know if I'm going to do that show. Okay. You got yeah. August baby too, 25th right here. August? Yeah. That's right. That's right. what's up. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people in August. It's crazy. It seems like it, man. Yeah. I feel like December was that time for our parents to get busy or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, something. Know? I don't they know. Just, but <laughs> yeah, just... I know a lot of August babies, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, man. They're giving other gifts <laughs> at that time of year, I guess. <laughs> but um, were you able to do, like, I know a lot of artists and a lot of, you know, Open mics are still doing IG lives or stuff over Zoom. Were you able to participate in any of that during quarantine? Um, I the opportunities there. I just haven't done it. But um, most of the time when I go on live, I'm just really like just talking about music, mm-hmm. or I'm um, I'm going live with someone else. Someone I go live with a lot. Uh, shout out to him is uh, Sim. He go, his name's Louis, but he's one of the business owners I sent you about. Okay. From, he's from Santana too. He owns the Sin Manchas. I don't know if you've ever heard Sin of that Manchas? product. No, I haven't. It's actually like it's an all-purpose cleaner. I recommend like dude, really? I don't I don't really like I don't you know the guys that be at the block like trying to fucking yeah. clean your shoes nah bro <laughs> this month, this shit fucking blows him out the water bro for real okay like that product is crazy it cleans like a lot of shit it's crazy <laughs> bro um what was I go- what were we talking about I forgot I'm not, oh doing oh, lives oh yeah, yeah doing lives well I go live with him a lot um, him too. He's he's really about the culture, bro, and mm-hmm. he he games me the fuck up, like in terms of cultura and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he don't fuck around with that, bro. He knows his shit, and um, he's all about the people, bro. He's like, you know, he's a ex convict. He mm-hmm. he was he had felonies. He did time. I believe he's a two striker. Damn. Okay. So um, and he just completely changed his life around. He's you know he's really trying to enlighten the people now. He's really trying to push a different message mm-hmm. so I go live with him but nah no events I haven't done no no events or nothing like that mm-hmm. on, on live the closest thing to an event I had was actually this past uh, this past Saturday mm-hmm. or was it? I don't know if it was Saturday or Sunday I don't even remember but it was um, it was for the kids in cages oh, okay. so it was uh, um, one of those events it was like a protest mm-hmm. and they actually wanted me to perform Cultura okay. so I performed Cultura and I gave a little speech I talked a little bit um, short off Farron's unity flag there that's tight man talked about the unity flag but yeah that's for shows that's what it's been mm-hmm. so far what else was quarantine like for you as far as like a creative side were you able to write more music or record anything during this time yeah um, I've been writing a lot mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird though cause I don't even finish songs bro oh, okay. like when I write I'm writing and like I'll hear a beat and I'll just start writing to it and I'll write a 16 and I'll put it to the side. Uh-huh. 
and then like here comes another beat out of nowhere and I'm just listening but um, I have a lot of beats in the vault so I'm that's what I've been trying to focus on mm-hmm. but yeah I probably have like like 11 unfinished tracks <laughs> just like 16s no hooks and then yeah. it's another 16 but yeah I've been writing a lot um, I've been really trying to just sit down and plot like where I'm really trying to go with the music in mm-hmm. terms of like what lane I'm trying to take but I think I'm already established like I'm trying to go like the you know the Kendrick Cole route mm-hmm. you know like where to the point where they they can be mainstream but they don't gotta talk about stupid shit nonsense yeah. in order to to have that mm-hmm. that's the way I'm trying to go you know okay. what's yeah. the t- toughest part or hardest thing that you've learned about in the music industry um the toughest part in terms of the music I think the toughest part is realizing that not a lot of people are in, in this generation are like they're not really like in, in tune with hip hop roots mm. that's hard for me yeah that's really hard for me cause that I get I get a lot of like the the older the same people my age are a little bit older they really fuck with me but it's harder to get the younger cats to come and fuck with me you know cause yeah. they're not really they're not really trying to hear that or they're not really trying to Mm-hmm. get a life lesson to the music or whatever yeah. which is not what I'm trying to do you know I'm just trying to put my message my life out there mm-hmm. and if you relate to it and you feel like I'm helping you in that way then that's amazing that's beautiful to me but that's not really what I'm trying to do I'm not really trying to change no one's mind and like push my agenda on anybody you know mm-hmm. I'm just putting myself out there right but yeah that's probably been the hardest part in terms of like the music um and the music like business side of things the hardest part for me has probably been marketing bro mm-hmm. like I just gotta find different I, I've been doing good you know um, and another thing too shout out to my pops you know my pops when I first was introduced him to the music shit at first he was kinda like eh, you know what the fuck are you doing bro <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, stay in school don't what the fuck <laughs> are you talking about you know and then um, I told him that probably like on a Tuesday and Friday I come with a track and he listens to it and which to me was garbage my first track to yeah. me it was like it was whatever bro uh-huh. and I guess he really liked it but um, he wasn't like amazed or nothing. But he saw potential, you know. Mm-hmm. So he let me keep doing my thing. But like I said, I was I was working. I was still going to school, and um, he let me keep doing my thing. And as time kept going and going, he was like, "Fuck, like, dude, this guy's, you know, he's really doing something." Yeah. And he really jumped on board, bro. He like he was like, "All right, fuck it." Like my dad, is, my dad's a businessman, bro. Like he, since he was a kid, he's ten years old. He was selling chocolates. Fucking, he oh, was yeah. always like winning. Like they would do like a weekly challenge. You yeah, know, who sells the most? He was always winning that shit. And um, I guess he seen me as a product, bro. <laughs> he just seen me as a product. <laughs> and he's like, I gotta sell this product, you know? Yeah. And he's really been helping with that. So shout out to him. He helps me with like a lot of the marketing shit. Not a hundred percent to where like he's just doing it on his own, you know? But he gives me that push, and I'm grateful for it. And my whole family, bro. Not just him. You know, he's the one who's, like, most involved. Mm-hmm. But shout out to my whole family, bro. My mom, my, my uncles, everybody, like, they're on board with the music. Nobody, like, how do I say it? Like, nobody doesn't support me, you know? Mm, at least, tight. my, at least like, my immediate family. Yeah. Yeah. That's tight. But, yeah, in terms of music, those those two have been my, my biggest struggle right there. Mm-hmm. And going back to the music thing, the industry-wise, as far as, like, the content <clears throat> of music coming out, I feel like, because I work with kids, too, I feel like a lot of the generation below us they they think hip hop starts kind of like at Tupac and Biggie yeah. right but they don't realize there was like 15 years before that and even yeah. like 25 years of influence before that and so I think that's like and then you know and if they're really young kids they probably don't even think 
much before Lil Wayne and Eminem. You know what I'm saying? Because I think a lot of current <clears throat> artists, I mean, look how many like Littles they are, right? And they, a lot of them have dreads. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of them are kind of like knockoffs of Lil Wayne. Yeah. So I feel like that's just kind of what they know. But they don't yeah. understand that like there's, uh, you know, not so much that there has to be a conscious side of hip hop too, but like there was just different forms of hip hop from like yeah. Eric B and Rakim to, you know, African Bambada, like all those early old heads. Yeah. But it's important, I think, to learn part of the history because you have a greater respect for what it is, and and it's not just like these new cats. Because like I, I think there's a lot of artists that I've interviewed too, and I like I'll talk about sometimes the older music, and I'm just like they they, they kind of look like dumbfounded. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like oh, okay, so maybe maybe they don't know too much about the history, but yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know how you would educate them on that or how you put that in front of them so they can learn about it. But it's all down to like themselves individually. Yeah. You know? I don't think it's I don't even think it has to get to that point you know where you gotta try and educate them Mm -hmm. it's more of like I understand the music that's going on now Mm -hmm. cause you know even though I grew up in the same era as a lot of people who who make music the same age as me Mm -hmm. you know I grew up when like Lil Wayne was in his prime I grew up during that era too but I guess the difference was I was really in tune with the the old school shit Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by hip hop heads well not a lot of hip hop heads but my mom's little brother we're only nine years I want to say nine years apart bro so to me he was like my big brother mm-hmm. and I was just really attached to him and he was on like he was bumping Big L he yeah. was bumping Immortal Technique he was bumping all this old school shit and at the age you know I was still like developing my love for hip hop mm-hmm. so it came easy for me to like I would he would show me something I would go look it up on YouTube and this was recommended this was recommended this and there's a bunch of old school shit you know yeah. so I think it's more of like you either got it when you were a kid and now you can learn about it, but True. it doesn't mean you're gonna you're gonna like fuck with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of artists, like you said, they 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 like have the dreads like Lil Wayne, they're little this, little that. It's because they grew up in that mm-hmm. when he was prime. So to them, that was that's what they wanted to mm-hmm. to be. And it's that's the same reason I don't really knock um, their hustle or their style. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy some of that music, bro. Like Future, Gunna, shit like that. Yeah. There's some tracks I'll be like, okay, this is hard, bro, and I can fuck with it. Yeah. I can drive home and listen to that shit, you know. Uh-huh. Um, it's not my cup of tea. Like I prefer like hip hop, hip hop, you know. Mm-hmm. But I still like that, and is I feel like it's the same way we're probably feeling right now. It's the same way people felt when like NWA was coming around. Yeah, I'm sure. And, like, Dre and they were like, man, what the fuck is this? You know, like <laughs> right? these gangsters. Well, who like, who are these guys? Yeah. And I'm sure that's how the East Coast felt at the time. Like, man, you're disrespecting hip hop, but mm-hmm. it wasn't even that. Like, they just created a whole new, not to try and compare this movement with what they did, you mm-hmm. know, because that was by far more Impactful. influential yeah. than than what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. But that's the way I see it, bro. That's why it's hard for me to under. It was hard for me to understand it. I would get mad, bro, before I even made music. You know, like I would see like kids in high school. And I'm like, man, like, what the fuck? Like, you guys don't even know. Like, I would try and play Wu Tang or something, and they don't know what the fuck no, it is. I know, dude. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. And I would get mad, and I wouldn't understand it, and I would try and diss, like, not like on the mic or nothing, but like, I would try and like, if I'm having conversations with them about rap or hip hop, I would try and diss those artists, like. Mm-hmm. But then I came to realize, like, nah, you know, music, music is never gonna stay the same. First of all, you know, yeah. music is forever gonna keep going. Um, but in terms of hip hop, hip hop. I think it just hip hop's hip hop. It's not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really change. You know, hip hop was created to to provide a message. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what what a lot of the urban neighborhoods did. They were like, okay, we 
they're not listening to us. Let's make some music and talk yeah. about our struggle, you know? And that's mm-hmm. really what hip hop was. And then obviously, you know, there was a lot of subgenres that came off of that. Mm-hmm. That's why I I had it was hard, but I came to an understanding like, okay, even yeah. though it's a it's a struggle for me and it if it impacts me in my career, I understand it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because there's even songs from like the seventies and eighties that I'll bump today, like Grandmaster Flash, The Message. Yeah, if you know that song, where it's like, yeah. "Don't push me because I'm close to the edge." Yeah. Man, I love that song because I feel like even yeah. today, especially with all that's going on right now, it's still super relatable. And like that's what they were talking about. You know, a lot of the early hip hop stuff was like more partyish, right? And tr- just kind of keep you moving. And they were played at like block party type events. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it kind of evolved, like you said, to the gangster rap, then to the more poetic rap and like the jazzy rap with the tribe called quest so it kind of had lanes and i think that's another thing too like hip-hop's so like young compared to other genres yeah, of music it really is mm-hmm. it's yeah you know not even like hit the half century mark or if it has it's like barely hitting that right now so i don't know there's there's a really great netflix documentary hip-hop evolution i don't know if you've ever seen it i see some they have like different episodes right yeah, yeah i've seen like episodes. i think i've seen like two or three episodes yeah it's pretty cool because it basically starts at the beginning there's mm-hmm. four seasons right now i don't know if they're going to continue to push forward but, um, and it kind of goes like by the big playmakers, right? And they'll kind of mention a lot of people that we do know, but then a lot of people we don't know. And then it also talks about how the pockets in Atlanta started and in New Orleans and then the pockets in Florida. And, but also, be, they also a lot of times touch on be, what was popping before hip hop came. Yeah. Like, you know, like um, P Funk and a lot of that stuff was popping in LA on the West Coast before yeah. NWA and those guys came out. I, I don't think a lot of people knew like NWA, they try to do something like Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. They were in like, a P-Funk group. I forgot what it's called. Yeah. I, I just thought that I've was like... i pictures of them. Yeah. I thought that was like such a, a mind-blowing thing. I was like, yeah. damn. They were trying to, you know, ride the wave, but then they kind of found their own thing and created like yeah. something even G-Funk. bigger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something even... Exactly. Something even bigger that is influencing generations mm-hmm. forever now. You know, I know it has had a heavy influence on me. But yeah, bro, that's, that's crazy. And like you said, you know, like the different pockets now, like Atlanta, Florida. Mm-hmm. Before it was just like Northeast, South, and West. Yeah. Now it's like even the West, bro. You you hear artists from the Bay Area. They sound way different than we do in LA. Right. But even though now it's a lot of more coexisting, you know, like a lot of LA rappers like to grab that style. Mm-hmm. A lot of Bay Area rappers like to grab this style. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy, you know. It's just, there's so many more lanes now. And social media just makes it a lot much, so much easier to recognize different styles of music. Mm-hmm. It's I think hip hop is in the. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about the term hip hop because mm-hmm. I I don't really like to categorize everything hip hop like mm-hmm. in terms of like uh, the trap stuff. I yeah. feel like it's just that's rap music, mm-hmm. but it's trap. You know, like it's trap music and hip hop is like way different to me. Yeah, that's my personal okay. opinion on it. You know, yeah, hip hop is hip hop, and then there's like. You know, hip hop is part of rap, rap music, mm-hmm. but that's the way I see it. But um, yes, I lo- I love the diversity, bro. I love how there's so many different types of artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now with everything that's going on, because I feel like music is a reflection of the times, obviously, and I felt like, you know, tr- the <laughs> trap and the party kind of music is still pretty popular. But do you feel like with all that's going on with the protests, Black Lives Matter, and just a lot of more stuff coming to the forefront? do you think like more of the conscience rap is going to come back into style and trend kind of like it did back in the 90s when shit was really popping off around Rodney King and everything? Yeah. Um, I feel you. Um, I think so. Most definitely. I was, I was making this call and you can, you could probably hear it in previous interviews I've done. Mm-hmm. I was making this call like before already. Like I, I feel like yeah. the, in terms of what's mainstream is like making a change, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you see like the whole Dreamville team. You see yeah. people coming TV. up from TDE. You know, like they're really coming up, bro. Yeah. And you know, they're really on that hip hop shit. So I think it's making that that change. Little baby just dropped a what yeah. is that song called? I forgot what it's called, but, but he doesn't he, usually make music like that. Yeah, he doesn't like <laughs> so. it. And it's, what I like about it is he kept that sound. He kept yeah. his style. Yeah. But he really pushed the message, bro. And it's yeah. like, damn, you should all everybody should be doing that right, right now. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's. You know, if shit continues to go the way it is right now, I think so. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I feel like 2020 is really the year where people really got fed up mm-hmm. with, like, a lot of shit, mm-hmm. especially. You know, you don't, you know, with the with the black community, you see, we've seen it a lot. But even the brown community now, like, they're really, you know, they're, they're stepping up. They're creating organizations mm-hmm. now. Like, everybody's coming together. And uh, 2020 is, like, really opening a lot, a lot yeah. of eyes for other people. I think the fact that everybody was home for so long, you know, yeah. not a lot of shit to do. People got to think, people got to see shit, realize shit. Mm-hmm. Shit's changing. Yeah, it's crazy so. just to take in like all like from if you look at it from the bigger picture, like all the things that had to be in place for this kind of to happen. Because there's to happen, yeah. there has been a lot of like from Trayvon Martin and and Michael Brown to you know I think that was like kind of really took off in 2013 from what I remember. And yeah. just, you know, black, that's when I first started hearing Black Lives Matter. And, and I was always into Absol, um, you know, like Lupe Fiasco, sometimes like more of those okay. conscientious rap. And I remember them talking about stuff like this Kendrick Lamar too, early Kendrick. And, you know, I was like, I was always behind it, but I was like, okay, but it hasn't really hit the mainstream. And even in 2016, I forgot who it was that was shot by the cops that year. Um, I don't think it was Ferguson. It might have been after that but nonetheless that you know trump got elected that year so a lot of shit was like starting to hit more and more of like mainstream culture but it wasn't quite there at the mainstream and now i feel like but i think it it had to like when you look at it there was no sports like sports were canceled school was out of session you know people lost a lot of jobs you know people are kind of getting desperate because who knows how money is on their situation we do have trump as president regardless of how you feel about him politically he says a lot of like arrogant things that piss a lot of people off so just i felt like all those puzzles like if if one of those pieces was missing, who's to say, like, this would have caught this much momentum? Because it's not even just, like, all the all 50 states are united on this. It's it's the yeah, world, bro. the like, world, there's, bro. There's protests going on in, you know, Europe and that's Australia. What, yeah, that's what really, when I when I seen that, I was like, that's really, like, a monumental shift for humanity, bro. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said before, 2016 and, um, you know, the other, um, sadly, we lost more mm-hmm. brothers and sisters to police brutality and shit like that in the past. Yeah. And that city would heavily, you know, protest or riot. And you would see different states do, like, vigils, you know? Yeah. But now it's like almost every state had mm-hmm. a mean protest and almost every state was mm-hmm. not every state, but a lot more states were rioting, protesting. And, you know, France, they were protesting. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so I feel like it's just more, this year really kicked it off more, um consciously for other people you know mm-hmm. people are waking up people are realizing shit mm-hmm. shit's not cool yeah but, age of enlightenment like yeah people are taking exactly. stuff into their own hands because i think especially with the internet man like the internet and just youtube how much you can learn on youtube is so powerful i think people are starting to self-educate themselves and yep. you get people like farron kid and, and maserati and jonathan hernandez you get to you get them in positions of power it's it's really going to change everything you oh, know yeah. hopefully and that's what it needs to be, bro. You know, um, we can't, we can, we can um, sit here and like we can fight for what we believe in, you know, to the current politicians. But a lot of the the problem starts at home, bro. You know, we got to get more raza, more more um, black 
kids to want to be, encourage them to be cops, yeah. encourage them to be sheriffs, lieutenants, encourage them to be lawyers, encourage them to mm-hmm. be judges, you know? And I feel like in a lot of our communities, that's just knocked. Like, that's just yeah. frowned it's, it's upon. Corny, yeah. right? We're just corny like, nah, smart. hell no, that shouldn't be cool, you know? Like, well, you want to be a cop? Fuck that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, until we can get our people in these in these positions, you know, then we were not really gonna see a change. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to, you know, it would be great, you know, if we get like a president, you know, from from Tetsrasa or something, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't even have to get to that point yet, you know. Like like with shout out Jonathan Hernandez, you know, he's trying to get into the city council. Mm-hmm. He comes from communities that we come from, you know. He's he has either seen the exact same things, if not worse, if not less, as we have, you know, yeah. like. You know, being around certain people. I know he he said um, I've spoke to him before, and uh, he he's coming. He's from that community. You know, like yeah. that type of lifestyle. He doesn't do that. You know, he's different, mm-hmm. but he acknowledges it. You know, he wasn't blind to it. Mm-hmm. So when it's people like that in these positions, it feels better because it's like he can relate to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, like I was given this example by um oh Louis, the one I got that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, he was a knucklehead growing up. He was in, when he was in school and he got into trouble. He says that they 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 brought him a counselor to talk to him, and he asked the counselor like, "Where are you from?" He said, oh, "I'm from Irvine." He said, yeah. "I'm from Santa Ana, bro. I'm not gonna talk to you." Yeah, you know? exactly. And the guy said like, "Why?" It's like, "How are you gonna relate to me, bro? Exactly. How are you gonna know what I'm going through? You know, you if you yeah. grew up in Irvine in this nice ass rich area and big old family or whatever, you know." Mm-hmm. And I come, from, you coming from Santa Ana, I mean, one bedroom apartment or something is mm-hmm. like how how the hell can you possibly tell me? Yeah. You know? So, that's what it is, bro. It's like, we gotta just encourage our youth to get in these certain positions and, mm-hmm. and, it'll really, it'll really make a change for our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think, going back to the whole counselor thing, I, I think the first teacher that I had was a person of color. I want to say it was in middle school, but it was my Spanish teacher. Yeah. I took Spanish as an elective in, in high school too and it was like, but that was it and I, <clears throat> I mean, I had, there was like an Italian, his name was Castro and he looked Mexican, but he was Italian, but there's nothing, you know, like even pe- people like teachers and positions like teachers and professors at community colleges, at universities, exactly, but also bro. the elementary and, and middle schools and kindergartens and preschools. Like you need p- people in all those positions so that they can see like, Hey, I can grow up and be that too. Because if you just grow up and you see only white people, there are only like affluent Asians people there. Yeah. You kind of think, okay, that can only be them, like yeah, not yeah. us. You kind of limit yourself, bro. Right. I know I felt like that before. Yeah. There's a lot of things I've referred to as like, oh, that's for white people. Yeah. And like, now that I'm older, it's like, nah, fuck that. You know, anybody can do that shit. You yeah. just need to be determined, you know, and, and go in and, uh, and really like be focused if that's really what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it even starts like when you're in elementary, bro, like when you're learning history. A lot of the heroes are white, like yeah. white dudes, you know, books, like yeah. that's all you learn. Mm-hmm. And that's not really how it was, you know, not every, everything wasn't fucking. They sugarcoated yeah. for sure, bro. Everything they, wasn't sweet back they, then, bro. Nah. Like, you know, the way that this country actually even came about, like mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing was sweet, you know. Um, but since you learn it from then, it's like, you know, even in terms of in terms of slavery, you know, they teach you slavery. So it might even affect certain kids to think like oh like we, yeah. we were just lesser than them you know but yeah. it's, it's even before before slavery like you know like there was like in Egypt and shit like that you know there was kings like yeah. people of color you know they were like mm-hmm. running the show bro but yeah. they don't when they don't teach you that and you just learn a certain thing and you grow up to see a certain thing is that's it really can affect you bro mm-hmm. um 
you know, people like us, we acknowledge it and we can see it, but not a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't have, uh, how do you say, it? like the consciousness, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, they haven't reached that level yet to to acknowledge certain things like that and it, it can affect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's one thing you too, you learn in the history books is that like they downplay the natives a lot too, right? These natives were these savages killing each other, sacrificing, yeah. doing weird shit. And the make white it seem like came. they came to save them. Right, yeah. exactly. We brought Christianity and Catholicism <laughs> to save these savage people. But it wasn't like yeah. that. They had astronomy. They were you know, believers of, sure, they did sacrifices and they had multiple gods, but that doesn't mean they weren't as smart or as bright as these people. Yeah. And they got taken advantage of, and that's how they lost their land. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like it was an honorable war. They just, you know, flat out, like, murdered these dudes. Like, yeah. hey, we want to work with you. And then when their back was turned, you know, shot them up. And a lot of times the diseases killed, like, a good portion of Aztecs yeah. and Native Americans here. Is what in the it was. They weren't used to, you know, certain shit that they brought over mm-hmm. here. And or, it was a lot of vulnerability too with yeah. within our within like the Aztecs and shit like that because we the Aztecs had like they our people, our ancestors, they believed in a lot of gods. Yeah. And I know when the I believe it was Cortez from right. Spain when he land, when he came to the land. He came on they, that horse. Yeah, and they thought he was a god, you yeah. know? And he took advantage of that. Yeah. He was it, you know, I don't blame him, but <laughs> It's fucked up, but I don't blame him. You know, he fucking, he made a fool out of our people and he really made them believe he was there to save them and fucking just Mm -hmm. destroyed it. Destroyed everything, bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy too, but the the narrative's starting to finally change on like Columbus Day. I know they're starting to push that for Indigenous Day. I don't know if it's officially named that yet, but I know a lot of people are starting to consider that as Indigenous Day or forgetting Columbus Day. I know they're not making you say the the Pledge of Allegiance in schools or public schools anymore. So I know they're starting to yeah. slowly, like, take away the system. And, and obviously, it's, it's a lot of work for it to kind of yeah. even the playing field and rewrite history books and so much. But it's a start, you know, and it's it's positive yeah. to see that, you know? Yeah, it really is. And I know they're changing a lot of shit with high schools, too. I believe Anaheim High School, mm-hmm. they're trying to boycott the whole colonist. I believe mm. the Anaheim colonist. That's they're right. trying to That's get rid of that. Yeah. Um, there's another one. I forget what school it is, but... They're trying to do the same thing, and I think there's two or three schools in Orange County. They're trying to, they're trying to do that. Yeah, and that's a big thing just across the nation too, because I know Ole Miss, the University of Ole Miss, is their their mascot is the Rebels, right? Like Confederate okay. Rebels, like that's their. And I know it was something before <clears throat> I forgot, like in the 40s and 50s, and they finally made that change. But like even now, Rebels is still very offensive. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. just all over the nation. I know, like I don't ever <clears throat> say it, but the te- the <clears throat> NFL team in Washington, like that name is super offensive. Oh yeah. And when I first learned about that. And that stuck, too, because when I was in Pop Warner in Santa Ana playing, like, we were called that team that name because we were that for a long time until the Monarchs came in for Modern Day and um, sponsored the program and everything and changed okay. it up. But it's just, you know, it's stuff like that you don't learn about. Yeah. But they're, people are, can be so stubborn about that, especially with a team in Washington, especially with, like, colleges. And, oh, we have tradition around this name. Like, how are we going to change the name? And it's just like, bro, it's just a name. Like, yeah, it's just a name. If bro. you learned that it was offensive, like... If you knew the history, you probably wouldn't take pride in it. Yeah, exactly. 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 That's what it is, bro. You know, like, you take pride in it because it's your school, but mm-hmm. you take pride in your school because that's your school, not because... not You know, no one says, like, they take pride in their mascot. Maybe they're people, that is, you know, but yeah. if they really learned the history behind that mascot or that name, mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't feel the same, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it's it's crazy. I think the, the the baseball team, the Indians too, right? I think they they yeah. have to change like their logo. Right, they don't use the Chief Wahoo. Yeah, the image of like the red faced Indian. So yep. you know, small baby steps, <laughs> but you know, it's it's progress. You know, it progress is progress, is good. bro. It's good. Mm-hmm. So as far as twenty twenty goes, what else do you have planned to release or work on this year? Um, I'm dropping the EP um next month. Okay, I want to say. 
I'm aiming for July 10th. Okay. Yeah. Um, I actually just dropped a music video today mm-hmm. um, for a track off that EP. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, for 2020, is that EP for sure. And getting visuals done for that EP, because that, that EP means a lot to me, you know? Um, I'm hoping, I can imagine that it's going to relate to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the EP is five tracks. Um, it's, it's, it's a song about me. And then the there's a, the other four songs are about four different people in my life who like their story mm-hmm. and their just them have impacted me like heavily. Yeah, is is um, Father Figure on that EP? Because I know you released that earlier this year. No, it's not on that EP. Okay. No, but there's a song on there about my dad. Okay. Um, that one talks about it talks like a little about on immigration. Mm-hmm. You know, he came here when he was ten. Fuck no, no English, none of that. You know, he actually like really. Contrary to like the the statistics, I guess you could say, he really did something for himself. You know, that's good. He he has a small business. He does his own thing, mm-hmm. and he didn't really, he didn't let all that affect affect him. Even though it did heavily. Yeah. Um. He he wanted to be in the military, didn't let him because of his his status and shit like Dang. that. Yeah, there was a lot of things like he if he wanted to do in life, he really couldn't. Like it held him back. Yeah. But not a hundred percent. You know, he he was like fuck that, mm-hmm. and that goes back to. Me saying our blood, warrior blood, you know, yeah. like we don't we don't get discouraged, bro. You right. know, we, we push through. Next thing. Yeah. And so that song's about him, you know, coming here, growing up in a bad area, but just making it out. Mm-hmm. And then um, the video I dropped today, and it's a song about a uh, teen pregnancy, which mm-hmm. is what my mom went through. Okay. You know, my mom and dad were teen parents. Mm-hmm. So um, it talks about a little bit of how she felt, you know, how, and not just her, you know, that's why I'm hoping a lot of people relate to it. You know, there's probably a lot of teen girls who felt like, like um, they felt embarrassed they felt yeah. you know they were ashamed of themselves or whatever but the same thing is like it's a more enlightening story too you know like it's like my the way I I did the song with the hook and everything is like like as the song's called Don't Be Afraid so mm-hmm. it's like don't be afraid you know like you're gonna get through it pretty much you know it's like mm-hmm. so even though there's girls who might barely have found out they're pregnant I want the song to still be encouraging for them like mm-hmm. you can do it you know and then um, another one is going to be about about love. One of my uncles um, talks about, like, how, how strong love can be, bro. Like, yeah. it can make you, break you, you know. You, mm-hmm. you need it. In reality, we all need some love, you know, but it can really affect you. Yeah. Um, he went through a lot uh, in terms of, like, going through suicidal thoughts and Dang. shit like that. It was his first girlfriend, mm-hmm. and it's actually the mother of his, his kids, too. Okay. So, like, it, it affected him heavily. And the last one um, is about my other uncle, who the one I told you was like heavy influence for me for hip hop. Okay, yeah. We're nine years apart. Um, he just really like, I feel like me and him grew up the same too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a he had his mom, my grandma, and he had his stepdad. So like, and I feel like I have my mom, and my dad. You know, we we both grew up in like similar ways, like in the home. But I I feel like the thing I had that he didn't was more like affection and guidance mm-hmm. he didn't really have that he had like materialistic shit but he didn't have a home he had a house but he didn't have a home there you okay, go okay okay he had a house he didn't have a home um so he found his guidance and structure in the streets bro yeah you know he took it to the streets he did his thing and he's still you know he's doing better now he's like uh, you know he's he's fighting through bro he's mm-hmm. got a baby on the way you yeah, know okay. shout out to him um he's got a baby on the way and I wish the best for him mm-hmm. but you know, he's still, he's got that mindset a little bit still, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
You mentioned love. You ever been in love like that before or not? Nah? nah, bro. Nah? <laughs> you don't got time for <laughs> nah, ladies? <laughs> nah, it's not even... I mean, it is that, bro. Um, I, I can honestly say I have not fallen in love with, like, a girl, like, to a point where it's really drastic. Mm-hmm. I haven't. That's good. And um, <laughs> I would say right now I don't want to. Not... Uh, how do I say? I don't want to sound like like I'm being I don't know I don't even know if it would sound selfish but like I wouldn't want to because I feel like I wouldn't that's not even being selfish because nah. I, I wouldn't want to put a girl in a position where it's like I know I'm not giving her enough time yeah because dude I'm, like I'm fucking focused on this music bro mm-hmm. and like I've missed out on a lot of shit like even family functions bro yeah. I've missed out because I go to the studio right I've missed out because of this and that so if I'm missing out on that I'm gonna miss out a lot over here you know yeah, so I wouldn't right. just bring a girl just so she can be there and be like okay that's my like I don't want to be like that's property or something you know like I would want to you know spend time with that person Mm -hmm. that's why I feel like right now I don't look for that that's good man because I work with kids so much bro it's so frustrating sometimes at how involved (laughs) they get in love and I I feel like when you're young too like you can fall like so deep into love it's easy to where like it's yeah it's easy to get heartbroken and uh, but you you don't really understand the concept of it like yet yeah, fully at that time yeah. you don't even understand the concept of yourself at that time so like yeah. how can you you know be with someone else it's exactly. kind of silly but uh, yeah like I was kind of like that until my senior year of high school you know kind of hit rock bottom for a little bit but I just you know I was like I like hearing that like you know especially since you're young too like yeah. kind of focus on yourself to you know when you're ready it'll it'll come naturally but I feel like if you try and force anything it's never usually gonna work out gonna work out. It, yeah. If it is, it's because you're trying to force it, you know? And that goes back to my EP, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I chose the people who really influenced me. And I feel like my uncle was heavy. Like, I, I picked that up. You mm-hmm. know, like, he was 15, I believe 15 or 16 when he met, you know, um, his girl. Uh-huh. And he was with her till he was, like, I want to say, like, late 20s. Mm-hmm. Had three kids. That was his first love, you know. He didn't really know any other girl other than that. So when they went through their separation, he went through it bad, bro, because mm-hmm. that's all he really knew, you know. That was her. So when I, like, seeing things like that and realizing things like that, my dad has always told me, even though my my dad used to trip and be like, oh, why don't you? he wanted to be, a, he wanted me to make him a grandpa when I was 13. Bro, <laughs> I don't know what? why. 13? Yeah, but I was like, fuck <laughs> that, bro. And they're like, I, was, I wasn't down for all that. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, but yeah, he would put me on, bro. My dad would put me on. He would tell me, like, hey, like, you're, you know, when you're young, enjoy it. Yeah. Don't fucking, don't fall in love at a young age or don't, you know, if you fall in love, it's cool, but you got to, like, kind of learn to cope with it, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm telling you, like, when I was young, I really got put on, on game with a lot of shit, so. That's good. I use it to my knowledge now. Mm-hmm. Right on, man. Well, before we wrap things up, I do like to ask a couple fun, quick hitters at the end, just to help the you know the listener to get to know you a little bit more. Cool. Uh, what What's your favorite <laughs> toppings on a pizza? Uh, pepperoni and jalapeno. Okay. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. If you could talk to any person, dead or alive, in history, who would you want to talk to? Tupac. Tupac. Yeah. All right. If you could have any kind of exotic pet, what would you want to have? <sighs> Damn. I'll probably want to have like a, some kind of cool ass eagle or something. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. If you, what would your last meal on earth be? <laughs> probably pizza. Just pizza? All right. Nah, 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 nah. Probably like a good steak. Okay. Yeah, probably like a good steak. Do you got a favorite spot to eat in Orange County? 
my garden grill or Santa Ana's? Um, I say my favorite spot right now is um, Tacos El Gringo. They're okay. actually a food truck though. Oh, okay, I yeah. think I, they they go to downtown Santa Ana, right? Yeah, they're in downtown Santa Ana all the time. I believe they're there right now. It's today Tuesday. Yeah, yeah it's Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. They're yeah. there. Yeah, they're they're always posted everywhere. Okay. That's probably my favorite spot to hit right now, bro. Like, like recently. Yeah. If I'm like feeling something, I I want to go there. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. If you were stranded on an island, but you know food and water was provided, or what are three things that you would want to bring to pass the time? Hmm. For sure, a laptop. Mm-hmm. Just for the music. Um. Some kind of book. About my culture, mm-hmm. like something has to do with like, okay. uh, indigenous and all that. Our culture. Uh, damn. The third thing. A girl. Yeah. <laughs> a girl. <laughs> right. I'm gonna be stuck on an island. I'm gonna be a girl. <laughs> all right, I feel that. And then last one. If you could give any advice to a younger self, what would it be? To my younger self. Yeah. The vi- advice I would give is probably. To go with your gut and really follow your passion. Because mm-hmm. music's always been my passion. But I was always scared at the time to fucking... Mm-hmm. Like, I always thought, like... I was scared of judgment. I was scared of criticism in terms of, like, the music. Mm-hmm. When I got over that, it was over. I was okay. like, okay, this is it. This is what I want to do. There you go, yeah. man. Well, well said. Looking forward to the EP. Appreciate um, it, bro. Before you go, if you could just drop where, you know, your social medias or anything you want to promote, where you can find your music, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can find my music um, on all platforms, Spotify, all that, Apple Music, um, socials. You can follow Instagram, Doughboy.Tony. You can follow Twitter, uh, Doughboy Tony. And in terms of shit coming up, I got the EP coming up. You know, I'm aiming for July 10th, so stay tuned for that. I right, really appreciate you again, man. No, I appreciate you for having me, bro. Boom, Noah Alvarez here to wrap things up for another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. If you really enjoyed that conversation with Doughboy Tony, if you're in the end, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a rating and review. It really helps gauge uh, new listeners on what the show is all about. Also, if you're listening on those other platforms like Spotify and SoundCloud, just be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. And if you can, share with a friend, share with a cousin, share with a family member that you think might like this show. So really appreciate any support with the podcast that I can get. Also, be sure to go follow me on the Instagram page, the My Mike and I Instagram page, at my period Mike and period I. You can also follow me at Twitter, at underscore Noah Alvarez. If you're interested in being on the show, have any ideas, or would like to give any feedback, regardless if it's positive or negative, those are the two best platforms to reach out to me on. Be sure to check out Pobble.co and use promo code LOCKER for 20% off. Be sure to check out Phoenix Fit. Dot com and use promo code my mic and I with the letter N for 15% off. And yeah, just as I always say at the end of each show, make sure you guys continue to work on yourselves. I know 2020 hasn't been the most ideal year, but it's a new month, it means new opportunities, new chances to work on yourself, to hit goals that you've been uh, putting off to the side because you think you're not good enough, you don't have enough time, or whatever it may be. You know, I, I hope you guys continue to strive towards those goals, chase dreams, not checks. Remember, all gas, no breaks in the year 2020. I hope you guys continue to prosper with all that's going on right now. Really appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode of the show. That's going to wrap it up for episode 112. I'm Noah Alvarez signing off. Till next time.